The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris, and this is a hoop ball presentation. You guys know the drill at the front end here. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I know this is the time of year where a lot of you are new to the program. So thank you in advance for tuning in. Thank you in advance for uh, hanging out with me here and on Twitter. Um, getting completely annihilated with fantasy questions, which went from nine months of me thinking, God, I wish somebody would ask me a fantasy question to, holy crap, I can't keep up. So I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. But please do hang out with me on Twitter. Again, it's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoopball leagues are now officially closed. If you would like to get on the waiting list for next year, you can still bug me at that same address or email teamhoopball.com at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's team hoopball at hoop-ball.com. However, another good reason to still have my info is that my DMs are open if you want to hit me up and be a part of Hoopball. Think you can handle it? Think you can be on the writing side, be on the analyst side of the fence, whether that's writing for our fantasy division, writing for DFS, and podcasting for DFS. If you want to be part of our sports gaming division, get in on the gambling side, We're looking for the best of the best of the best. We have contributor spots open. We also are hiring for our sales team. That's an opportunity to actually make a little bit of money on that side. So hit me up if you're interested in any of those things. And that's basically the HoopBall-related promo at the front end of the show today. HoopBall, of course, you can follow on Twitter at HoopBallFantasy. The website is hoop-ball.com, hoop-ball.com on uh, the World Wide Web. Today's show, we got Matt Smith coming in, looking to take back his championship belt. He wore it last year. He wore it proudly last year, shimmering in opulence, bright gold, most downloaded show ever belt from last season. He held that title for about a month uh, last year. I think there was a a brew episode that actually dethroned him uh, right before last season started. But Matt Smith back on the show today with another two, actually. He told me he's got two sleepers to drop on us today after last year. And I'll mention this later on in my discussion with Matt. I'll, I'll make sure to bring it up with him. Last year, he gave us Davis Bertans on this podcast. We weren't even talking about him. That's an L for me as far as I'm concerned. I didn't, I didn't think Davis was going to make a turn last year. And Matt came on the show. He was like, Dan, Davis is your guy. And I was like, all right, sounds good. And then Davis was amazing. So uh, looking to follow up on that. Matt Smith coming up. We're also going to finish up going through the mock draft results. A lot of you have asked to complete those. So we're going to do that today. And that'll buy us time for tomorrow to dive into ESPN ranks for the first time. That's only going to be a one-show endeavor because their ranks are straight up cuckoo bird. They're crazy. They're all over the map. They make no sense. So I only want to spend one day on that. And then Friday, I believe... We will have what I will like to call the Legends of Fantasy episode. Oh, that's going to be a good one. If everything shakes out the way I expect it will, oh, Friday's going to be a fun one as well. So uh, some big shows this week. Thank you again to everybody for tuning in. Let's get rolling. I got lofty goals today, and I know just the man to get me there, the great Matt Smith of Basketball Monster at Sports on Twitter. Briefly... The crown, the, 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 I don't know what it is. I guess it's like a championship belt. It's a big gold one you're able to wear around your waist. You wore it for a couple of weeks last year, the most listened to episode of Fantasy NBA Today. And I think, I think we're going to try to grab that back today. How you doing, man? I'm very well, Dan. And I definitely want my belt back. I'm coming <laughs> for, I think it's Josh and Brutsky have just beaten me in the last couple of weeks. So, it's taken taken two of them to knock me off the uh, top spot, but um, yeah, it's great to be back on, and hopefully we can get that that most downloaded um, podcast title back in in our names. Well, the only way to get there is to uh, really really bring the 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 good stuff, and it's all on you because I'm 
uh i'm tired <laughs> i'm exhausted man <laughs> it's been a it's been a hell of a turnaround but by the way if it makes you feel any better josh and brew actually have to snap the belt in half and they each get uh half of it so they just have to kind of yeah. carry it around it's really not it's really not that glamorous you got to wear the whole thing around your waist it was quite nice i liked it um so i wanted to use that as a segue because uh i really am tired i mean that was sort of a joke but i'm exhausted this turnaround has been crazy. How are you handling this obscenely short offseason and getting ready for fantasy this fast? Yeah, it has been, like you said, a crazy, what, six to eight weeks now. Um, with the end of, of last season, the short offseason, straight into um, the draft and free agency. And then as we're recording, we're what, a week away from the season starting. Um, but yeah, just loving having fantasy basketball back after, I think it was a nine month layoff in terms of fantasy hoops. So gives us something else to talk about, write about, um, listen to, um, drafts are pretty much underway at the moment, if not completed. Um, so yeah, just can't wait for basketball to be back and, and have something else to talk about, um, with all the other issues that are going on around the world. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, don't worry. We'll touch on that here uh, in just a second. But you mentioned how a lot of drafts are going. We're both in 30 deep. That's rolling at the moment that we're recording this thing. Uh, it's about two rounds in. I think by the time this airs, it'll probably be more like three or four rounds into that 30 deep draft. But I don't want to talk about that too much. The reason I bring up what's happening right now is what is your usual go-to? Do you like to draft really early to try to jump on guys kind of before anybody catches on? Or do you like to go later where you know all the data about guys? Someone that might pop up as injured in the preseason, Derek White being a nice example of that this year. Yeah. You know me, I'm, I'm ultra cautious with everything. So I like to draft late and make sure I don't end up with an injured guy by accident. But what's your move there? Yeah, I think I'm the same. It it is a, a really good question, and I I drafted the league um, stupidly. I, I disagreed with the decision at the time, and I still do. We we drafted the league prior to the draft and free agency for something completely different. Um, but overall, I do like drafting closer to the start of the season, so we can really gauge preseason training camps, the games, form, um, injuries. Like you said, with Derek White, news just came out. A couple of minutes ago that yeah he could miss up to the first month of the season with a toe injury um but we can't we can't do anything about injuries we saw gordon haywood break his leg in the first game of the season what a couple of years ago so injuries can happen at any time but i do like having all the information in front of me um to make the best choice uh, for my teams for the season yeah i i i, I was curious because I've, I've talked to a lot of folks on that one and and it's split almost down the middle. Have you found that as well? Like, I, I don't know that there's necessarily a, a right way to do it, but in this, in the fantasy community, it does seem like about half of folks like to, to go and that, at that crazy early state and just kind of risk it. I, I just, I don't know. It, it freaks me out to go that soon. Yeah, it does. And, you know, we've had, um, you know, people like Jason Tatum who have who have started um, probably in the in the second round have now come into into the late first. Um, Nerlens Noel has probably made a big move over the last couple of weeks with preseason. Um, you know, Christian Wood moving teams, Russell Westbrook and John Wall trade. Um, so I know people do like to draft early because they feel they can get a little bit of the edge on the competition and 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 all well and good to them. But um, yeah, I think if I had the chance. I do like drafting um, as close to the season start as possible. Okay, so there are some things happening in the world, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention them, and a lot of people continue to ask about them, so I feel like I, I want to try to bug folks on what they might be doing differently this year. What what Do you have strategic changes because of the COVID year? Do you change settings in your leagues? What have you done to get ready for this I don't want to call it special because it's kind of hell, yeah. but this different season. <laughs> this season is going to be completely different. And I think we have to all sort of get our heads around that it's going to be um, different than what we've been used to in the past. So I think adding a, an additional roster spot or two is a smart move. I think adding a, an additional IR spot is a smart move because we are going to have injuries. We are going to have people quarantining with, with COVID issues. Um, we are going to have players who rest this season due to the condensed schedule and, and the number of back-to-backs. 
Um, I've been encouraging people to play more rotisserie leagues than head-to-head leagues because games played isn't quite as yeah. big of a hit in rotisserie My leagues. Man. I love it. I love it. I'm giving you a brief applause on that one, but please continue. I love you know me. Um, I'm a roto guy. Yeah, I love rotisserie leagues as well. And and for anyone who says they aren't fun, then go and try it because they are extremely fun. They're fun and they're um, fair. They're fair. You don't get you don't get blitzed yeah. by some weird little fluke thing in the twenty second week of the season. Exactly. And every game counts. You get to the end of a head-to-head week and all of a sudden one of your players goes off on a on a Sunday and you've already won the week and it doesn't really mean anything, which can be frustrating at times. But I think the other really important point to uh, emphasise, Dan, is, is in terms of the waiver wire, we're really going to need to monitor that um, and use it this season. I'm a big one for rotating guys through the back end of my roster. But like I said, with all the rests, and potential injuries and and COVID illness that's going to affect our season. We really need to stay tuned into the news. Um, It'll be crucial um, that you need to know who's sitting, who's resting. Some of these rotation players, um, you know, will have opportunities throughout the season. Um, And I think it's going to be a really good season to spot start players as well. So, you know, when a Kyrie Irving sits, it might be a Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, if it's a Kawhi Leonard, then maybe like a Nicholas Batum, Serge Ibaka, um, Zubac get a bit of a boost. If it's Dwight Howard, maybe as well when Embiid sits. So it's really going to be crucial to stay on top of the news, um, what's happening, and on top of the waiver wire so you know who's there and who you can bring into your roster to uh, give your fantasy team a boost across all leagues, whether it's head-to-head rotisserie points. Um, so I think that's probably one of the biggest things that we'll need to pay attention to this season. So you mentioned having an extra bench spot and then brought up a few of those kind of interesting handcuff type guys. Would you ever just use that extra bench spot on the handcuff or do you prefer to kind of kick those guys on and off the waiver wire? I think the back end of your roster, so your bench spots and even one or two of your starting spots, I really like to rotate players through that because if you're not rotating guys off a free agency, then you're not going to pick up the hot free agent like Devontae Graham last year who came from nowhere and went berserk. So um, I'm not huge on handcuffing. I don't quite see the value of of having Dwight Howard sitting on your roster for two, three, four weeks just waiting for Embiid to miss a couple of games. I think you can use that roster spot smarter and get better value out of it. But you do just need to be aware that, okay, there's some back-to-backs coming up. These guys are likely to sit. Maybe you need to make a move slightly earlier to get um, one of those guys off the waiver wire um, to prepare for, for that moment. Okay, so here's something that's also come up quite frequently over the last mm, week or so. Because now it seems like a lot of folks, like you mentioned earlier, are beginning to dive into their, their actual draft And the one thing that keeps coming up is what to do near the turn. Have you had some, have you had some experience near the turn here as you're kind of getting ready for the season? Um, A little bit. And I guess if we do quickly touch on 30 deep, although it is a 30 team league, I had pick 12. So the very last um, pick in a, in a standard league and didn't really like what was on offer at that point. I ended up going with Devin Booker. Um, largely because he just feels the safest for me at that range. Jason Tatum went, um, I think, a couple of picks earlier who I was targeting. Um, We should also point out that that league is a weekly changes league, not a daily changes league. So the roster's locked at the start of the week. Therefore, you can't substitute those players out who might be missing games. So I was a little bit cautious and maybe nervous about going with um, someone like a Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, um, to a lesser extent, Paul George, just because of that risk factor when games played are so important. Um, but in terms of drafting at the turn, I actually love drafting at the turn. Um, I find that you can really go bang, bang with those two picks and then you can sort of sit back a little bit, monitor the, the next um, couple of rounds, monitor the draft, have a look to see who's coming up. Um, but, yeah, picking in the middle of the draft you know, if a player is sitting at, at 45 and you think they're going to be a top 40 player, do you have to draft him slightly earlier or can you wait until pick 45 or 46 and then and then go after that guy? Um, so, yeah, like I said, 
overall, I do love drafting at the ten because you can just really pick out those players um, who you want, um, and then yeah, just sit back and, and see how the rest of the the draft falls. And it gives you a little bit more time just to to breathe through the draft and then just collect your thoughts, see who's coming up, see what you've got. Um, maybe even have a, a quick time, especially in live draft or in, in slow drafts, to analyze other teams um, to see which players they've got and what players and positions they need in their future picks as well. Um, so you can analyze the whole league a little bit better, um, I think, as well. But yeah, what, what what do you like, Dan? Do you like picking in the middle or, or at the end? Yeah, I'm a middle guy myself. I, I kind of like the uh, sort of, I don't want to say that I'm like constantly on red alert. I just feel like it's easier to not. I I would say that my greatest issue in drafts is when I set a queue, everybody runs out, and I start to yeah. think, well, there are these guys that are still on the board when I should really just be going to my next guy. And I, I get sort of suckered back into a group of players that I didn't want. And that tends to happen to me more at the turn because suddenly... You know, if I set a big queue and it gets to me and suddenly there's only one guy left in my queue, I got two picks and I'm I'm scrambling a little bit. That that doesn't yep. tend to happen to me as much when I'm mid-round. I can sort of wait until it's three or four picks away, get my queue set up. I, I almost always get one of the guys I'm eyeballing. And then, you know, I like I like your positive attitude, though. I think a lot of folks need to go into their drafts with that in mind. Looking at that 12-13, the first turn, do, mm-hmm. have you... And I was talking to Adam Stock about this on uh, on yesterday's podcast. You know, he was talking about how, for whatever reason, you know, there really just aren't that many point guards or centers that are going near the turn this year, either in the first round or the third round turn. For whatever yeah. reason, the ADPs on big men and point guards tends to be falling, you know, between one and nine, and then again, kind of after 18 or 20. And kind of stops again, like near 30. It's very weird. So uh, would you recommend grabbing a center early or are you more a fan of waiting and assuming a value guy is going to fall into your lap? Um, so if I'm drafting one or two, then I, I really like the James, obviously James Harden and Anthony Davis and you can build a great team around both of those guys. Like I mentioned at the end of the first in that 12, 13 spot, um, I don't like, in general, building around a wing like a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard. The way I draft my teams is I like to draft point guards and bigs, um, and I normally um, go backwards and forwards on on those two positions for the first maybe even four to six picks of the draft and then round out with wings later. Um, but you and, and Adam are both correct in saying that, yeah, there's a number of good point guards at the end of the second in particular, but they do come with some risk in terms of like your Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. Um, maybe it's slightly early for, for a Kyle Lowry or Fred Van, Van Vliet in there as well with there's some little bit of Jimmy Butler, a little bit of rest and injury risk. Um, but And then, yeah, at the end of the first, we're talking Joel Embiid, yeah, like I said, I'm not convinced. Yeah, no. Um, Bradley Will probably takes a little bit of a hit with Westbrook coming along. Ben Simmons, I don't want to punt free throws and take a hit that early. Um, so it is a really sort of interesting point of the draft. Um, I think last season in particular, we really had to get big men early. They seem to be a premium on big men. I think this season we can find big men a little bit later on and especially through the mid rounds of the drafts with hmm. Jonas Valanciunas, Miles Turner, Sabonis, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. even though there's a bit of a injury risk there. Um, Lamarcus Aldridge, um, Nerlens Noel is is making making some some news and, and rocketing up draft boards. Um, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. or Thomas Bryant as well, some of these guys later on. So if you do want a good point guard and especially some elite assists, you're going to need to find that in the first couple of rounds. And then I think you can find some good men, uh, good big men later on throughout the draft. It, where where do you enjoy? I know you said you like the turn. Would you prefer to be uh, earlier or is it just kind of a, it sounds like you just sort of don't mind. Like you're pretty comfortable no matter where you plop as long as you have a little bit of warning. Yeah, well, this season you really do want that top eight or nine pick. You know, Harden, Davis, Curry, Towns, Giannis, Lillard, Luca. 
Um, Jokic and Trey, I think, are the pretty much the set nine. I've got Jason Tatum at 10. Um, like I said, I took Booker at 12. Hit Booker and, and Kawhi Leonard are sort of interchangeable depending on the format and the settings of your league. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I think ideally this year, if, if I was to pick a, a range, I'd probably take that sort of four, five, six, and then ideally start with a Steph Curry, a Luca, or a Lillard. And then look to back them up with someone like um, a DeAndre Ayton or, or a Bam and go big and small early, like I mentioned, and then start building on it that way. But unfortunately, you don't get to pick your draft spot. You, you've got what you've got. And um, yeah, build the best <laughs> hand with what you, what you can. Yeah, I got a top two pick in one of my uh, money leagues for the first time in, good Lord, I think it's been like three years. I don't even know how that happens. I, I, I'm sure everybody complains the exact same way, but mine is definitely real. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have concerns around James Harden, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, these sort of guys? I just sort of assumed that I would end up with AD, but with the James Harden news now, I know he's he's been falling a little bit. I'm I'm still very much okay with taking Harden. I mean, there, I mean, there's really only a couple of guys that can do that type of stuff on a per game basis. I, I mean, you know how how much could they really hold him out? How much they, yeah. I know they wanted, like he said, he's okay, or they said they're okay with making it comfortable or uncomfortable. I think if you're Houston, you try to, you're still trying to convince him. I know the reports keep coming out that he wants out, but I, you know, I, there's, there's a lot left on that contract. They don't want to take something back that's kind of clunky. Like, wh- what yeah. is the max number of games he sits out because of this stuff? Six, seven? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I'm not too worried. Not too worried. Uh, now now I kind of wish I was like fourth pick because all of a sudden nobody wants Harden and people are getting him at four or five this year. It's just, it's incredible. Um, so, uh, next thing on the docket, next thing on the docket, uh, last year, uh, this is, this is, this is the one that I think this is like the treasure chest that everybody's waiting to, to unearth here last year on this show, when you grabbed that championship belt, and maybe this is why. You gave out Davis Bertans as your favorite late round kind of sleeperish sort of guy, and you know the rest of that story wrote itself. Davis Bertans ended up having an incredible year. This is a guy who was at times undrafted, and he finished. You know he was like in the fifty five range. I mean, this was undrafted to top fifty five value. So all that to say, the pressure's on, Matt. What do you got for the listeners this time around? <laughs> Yeah, thanks for uh, building that up, Dan. And unfortunately, a couple of the guys that I really, really like, um, you've already spoken about with some some previous guests. The first one in particular is uh, Darius ba- uh, Basley um, in OKC, but Jonas stole my thunder. If you like the, the pun, pun there, Dan. <laughs> we, can double, um, we can double down on that. You guys can split the belt next year if need be. So, yeah, he had some, some really good games. Um in the bubble, average around 13 points, six rebounds, 2.43s um, as well, which is really nice from a, a small forward power forward position in just 27 minutes per game. Um, there was a three-game stretch there where he scored over 20 points in each game and knocked down, I think it was 12 three-pointers. Um, and the Thunder are just going to need someone to do something behind Shea Gilgis-Alexander and now Horford. And I think having Horford next to, uh, to Basley, um, an elite passing big man, will really help him um, this season. So, um, yeah, Darius Basley is one. And the other one is Markel Fultz. Um, Ooh, a two-pack. I think he's been in for a really strong season. Doesn't have to look over his shoulder this year with, with DJ Augustine gone. The, the backup point guard is basically now rookie Cole Anthony. Um, Fultz played less than 28 minutes per game this season, and, and surely that jumps up by four, five, six minutes um, this season. Coming into his fourth year in the system, obviously the first two were, were a bit of a write-off with injuries. But, um, yeah, Marco Fultz, like I said, assists um, or elite assists and point guards. You'll need to get early, but finding Fultz in five, six assists per game and, you know, one to 1.2 steals somewhere probably between the 80 and 100 mark, I would I would think, um, I reckon is really good, good value. Um, so they're my two... Dan for um, sleepers or value plays or or whatever fancy title you're going to I give. Know, I got nothing. I got nothing, man. You got. You, can you help me with this? I really want to rename sleepers, but I have no reasonable replacement. 
I do like value guys or value plays. Um, we also have a term here in Australia called a roughie, ooh. which is like an ooh, like an outsider. So I was just trying to like in the know, rough, like a, a like a golf terminology, right? Where you're outside the fairway, you're in the thick stuff. Yeah, or even someone who has like a massive outside chance. So if it's like I don't know, let's say tennis for instance and the number one seed is playing some dude who's ranked 150 and the 150 guy is like a roughie he's like a completely outside chance of winning <laughs> all or, right or, I'm or, in. Or, or or in a horse race where the, the horse has got the outside barrier you know he's a bit of a long shot um but you know there's a one percent chance that he might win so i don't know it doesn't still doesn't quite fit for this terminology but um yeah, maybe you might like to just add Ruffy into yeah, your... Yeah, uh... I'm in. I'm sold. I'm 100% <laughs> sold. I, I don't think I can take full credit being that I am just some guy from Los Angeles and I, I feel like I'd be stealing a term from another country. But if I, as long as I give credit, then I think we're going to try to make this happen. We're probably going to fall flat on our faces, but we're going to try to make it happen. Um, I'm, sure I, there's, I'm sure the listeners can come up with something better so we can... Yeah, help we us. We can do a bit of crowdsourcing. Help us, listeners. We're coming up with the name, although I do like Ruffy. Um, I may have missed it when you were talking about him, but Baisley, where did you say you're comfortable taking him? Is he like a post-120 guy in drafts earlier or later? Yeah, I think so. I don't think you need to go much earlier unless you're playing in a super, super competitive league and, and someone really loves him. Um, the way our projections turn out in 32 minutes per, uh, per, per game comes out around that 120 spot. So I think in a standard league, yeah, he's a guy to grab sort of in that last pick or two. Um, and yeah, should be should be a nice little source of, of points, rebounds and threes, potentially flirt with a steal and block per game as well. So um, I don't want you to write his name down, Dan, because you and I go on head-to-head in 30 days. But for all the <laughs> listeners, maybe just write down Darius Basley. If you have drafted already, check the waiver wire and, and make sure he's not on it. Yeah, dropping, pulling him into my queue, going back to yeah, the podcast. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so I think we do have about four or five more minutes on this. I, I promised I would get you out in about a half an hour, so we do still have just a couple minutes left. I want to give you a little lightning round session here because let's do the buzz guys. That's what everybody wants to know about. Uh, I'm going to give you a buzz guy and a, and an ADP. And if you, you can tell me if they're going too early, too late yep. or just right. Uh, cool. And, and you know, I, I'll, I'll try to grab just a, a few of the, the most prevalent ones. And some of them are guys that are just moving that maybe aren't as buzzy. But we'll start with Shea. SGA, he's got to be the buzziest guy in fantasy this year. His ADP on Yahoo is 27. Too early, too yep. late, or just right? Uh, probably just right. I think Shea, I agree. I think Shea would definitely be a, 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 25, a top 25 player this season. So if you can get him around that end of the second round, do it. If you have to go a little bit earlier, do it. I don't think you're uh, going to regret that pick. Um, yeah, absolutely love SGA this season and we'll try to get as many shares as possible. So yeah, slight, slightly inside 27, I would think. Zion, 28 is the ADP. Too early, too late, or just right? Um, hate it. Way too early. I also agree. Um, I know he hit <laughs> 10 of 11 from the free throw line the other day, which was out of the blue, but still don't trust that form to continue for the season. The steals and blocks haven't translated to, to the NBA yet. Um, I still want to see him play a, a full season and have a full body of work behind him before I can trust him in a season-long league. So um, I think drafting him in the top 30 is a massive mistake and you will regret it. Another big mover in this earlier chunk is Yusuf Nurkic, whose ADP was like 60 a week and a half ago, and now it's 35. 35. Well, 60 was obviously too late. 35. Too late still? Too early? Has he moved past the mark or just right? Um, once again, I think that's about right. Um, I think Nurkic could be a, a definitely a top 30 player, potentially even top 25. Um, strong points, excellent rebounds. Um, the defensive stats, the steals and blocks, good efficiency. Um, love him in that range with sort of Bam, Adebayo, DeAndre Ayton, Yusuf Nurkic um, in that late second, early third. So, um, yep, love love Yusuf Nurkic this season. I think I got just a couple more here. Uh, another name that's flying up the draft board is Christian Wood out of Houston. His ADP is now as high as 48. He started somewhere mm -hmm. in the 90 range. 
What do you think about 48? Um, not bad. I'd probably go slightly earlier. Definitely top 50 player. Probably top 40. Um, if James Harden gets moved, love that even more. Um, the only thing maybe against Christian Wood, once again, we haven't quite seen that full body of work from him. We've seen, what was it, 20 or 25 games sample size at the end of last season where he went berserk with the Pistons. Um, it's going to be a little bit tougher to start the season while Harden is there and depending on um, the health of John Wall and, and uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, but I think overall we'll see Christian Wood end the season as a top 40 player. Last one is actually a guy who's falling, and that's John Collins. Not any one massive piece of information out of Atlanta, just sort of a lot of bodies there. His ADP two weeks ago was about 15. Now it's 24. Has he moved into value territory, or should he fall farther? Uh, he should fall further. That's still too early for me. Um, I loved this Hawks team last season with um, Collins and Trey and Herder and, and Cam Reddish later on in the season. They're just too deep for me now. Um, adding like Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovic, um, Rondo to a lesser extent. But yeah, they're pretty much too deep in all positions. And I think John Collins will take um, some of that hit. So once again, I think drafting him inside that top 30 range is slightly too early for me. I'd rather look at him in maybe the fourth or fifth round. All right, you're out of the hot seat. Is your is your seat warm enough? Can we cool it down? We, you can you can keep going, Dan. I've no, got, we're I've good. got all day. <laughs> now we'll let you cool off. Uh, Matt Smith, you're you're officially free to go. The man, the myth, trying to double up on Davis from last year. The the 2019 champ. S Man Sports, the Twitter handle. Matt, you are the man. Can we do this again this year? I've been really bad about scheduling because I childcare has been kind of a mess this year. But can I get you back in the early part of the season? We'll talk about some of these names again. Yep, of course you can. Anytime you want me on, let me know, and I want that number one spot back on the chart. <laughs> um, just hit me up. You know where to find me. And yeah, look, always love chatting to you, Dan. Seasons greetings to to all the listeners, and uh, we'll do it again in the new year. Look at that, a kind fellow again. S Man Sports on Twitter. He is a fantasy basketball analyst. You guys know that. He's the man. He's over basketball monster Matt Smith. Thanks again, my man. Thanks, Dan. That was our buddy Matt Smith. Always good stuff. Two more to watch for this year. Snap them up. Get yourself some values. And uh, call them roughies. That's the most important thing I think we learned in that segment. Uh, make sure to take a moment to check out the Fantasy Pass at hoop-ball.com. It's the only time of the year that we lay this stuff on you. And I'm laying it on thick. The Fantasy Pass is the thing. It's the thing. If you want the Brewski 150, it's in there. If you want the draft guide, it's in there. If you're getting into DFS or you're already into DFS, our DFS pass is in there. If you need in-season tools for the entire NBA regular season and into the offseason, through the playoffs, into draft season, into free agent season, the Fantasy Pass has it for four 99 a month four dollars and 99 cents a month the hoop ball discord is officially open as of yesterday as of yesterday so premium members now can drop into the hoop ball discord we're going to be sending out emails uh roughly every day or every other day with the invite link for premium members to drop into the hoop ball discord there are fantasy chats going, there are DFS chats going, there are even some wagering chats going. This is an incredible way to get in touch with other premium members and, more importantly, a host of HoopBall pros. There are a lot of us. I sit on there most of the day just to make sure that folks are getting slotted into the right servers, uh, but that means I'm also answering questions. Steve Vitovich is on there. Uh, we've seen Micah Patria, Santino Cacone, uh, Eric Ong. A lot of the HoopBall favorites are just uh, sitting there. And we're going to have scheduled office hours as well. So there'll be times where you know you can log in and get a hold of a pro. But, uh, you know, a lot of us are at our computer for large chunks of the day and, you know, are, are available. So it's a pretty amazing new thing we've added this year. Pro access almost all the time. And here's the really amazing part. Uh, between Eric Ong, Adam King as well, uh, in the Philippines and Australia, there's a hoop ball pro awake 
24 hours a day. So there are times, and you know we can't guarantee this, but there will be times where someone will be in that Discord literally every second of an entire day. Pretty unbelievable stuff to get your fantasy questions answered nearly on demand. Check it out, the Fantasy Pass, $4.99 a month. And I just wanted to tell you guys about that Discord thing because I've been working on it and it's super cool and I'm really excited about what it brings to the table in terms of pro access here at HoopBall. So go to hoop-ball.com, click on the Fantasy Pass advertisement on the homepage and get yourself a subscription for $4.99. The rest of the draft, let's do this thing and let's do it at a pretty good clip because, um, you know, there's some names. I think what we did yesterday actually worked out relatively well. We moved along at a good pace. I read through the entire list of names in each round and then tried to focus in on the ones that I thought deserved a little more analysis as to why they went there, whether they should continue to go there, and things of that nature. So we finished up round six yesterday with Rashawn Holmes. We'll start round seven right now. Here are the 12 players selected in the 2020 Industry mock, the video industry mock. It's about two weeks ago now, so you know things have changed a little bit. But a lot of these guys are still going where they were. Uh, Al Horford, Boyan Bogdanovich, Brandon Clark, James Wiseman, Colin Sexton, uh, Mikhail Bridges, Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry Markkinen, Dejounte Murray, Buddy Heald, Victor Oladipo, and Clint Capella. The names that jump out at me in this round: number one, uh, Clint Capella going at eighty-four. Like I don't, I, I get it. He's set to take a step back this year. But 84 is obscene, absolutely, positively of obscene. It just, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how much of a step back you think he's going to take. It's not going to be this much. There are very few, you know, nothing in this world is guaranteed. If he misses 30, 40 games with an injury, it all goes out the, out the window. But look, here's the thing. His role, no matter where he is, is going to be about the same. He's going to be a dunker, a rebounder. So his field goal percent is going to be great. He's going to rebound well. Uh, John Collins is the next guy down the board who's a good rebounder. He's a very good rebounder, but he's also not as nearly as tall as Capella. Uh, so Capella's going to be the guy near the rim. He's going to be playing most of his minutes at center. He's also uh, easily their best defender, and no one's close. Not Collins, not nobody. Not nobody, not know-how. I know Capella can't shoot free throws. Put put that dude next to Trey Young in the open court. He's going to be hammer blasting balls through the basketball hoop. So, uh, is he going to get ten shots a game? Probably not. Is he going to play thirty three minutes a game? Probably not. But in those numbers, he was on average number twenty four last year in nine category leagues. Partially because his turnovers were good, but you know, really good blocks, really good field goal percent, really good rebounding. Even if you dial that back, let's say he loses four minutes. You could even say he loses six minutes. Take away 20% of his production. He is still in the 11 and a half, 11-ish range with, you know, 0.6 steals and 1.5 blocks or something like that. So that still puts him well inside the top 75. And if he stays healthy, he just annihilates that number. So I was really surprised to see Capella fall all the way to 84. This is uh, too far for him to fall. It's too far. I, you know, I, I get it. Ratchet him back because he's not going to play 33 minutes with Atlanta, but not this far. Victor Oladipo at 83 is uh, probably relatively close to where he's going on the whole. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't have any strong feelings on that. I think he'll have a decent season. I think he'll probably be better than this. Uh, Buddy Heald, he's starting to go a little bit earlier, although at 82, this is an incredible grab. DeJounte Murray at 81, he should be going earlier than that. Uh, I'm, I'm souring on Lowry Markkinen, and, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the preseason. I'm just not sure he's going to assert himself. Maybe he will. I mean, we know that there's some upside there. He's sort of like poor man's Kevin Love style, and, and two years ago, he had a top 50 stretch, but he's going to need to shoot, and he's going to need to rebound to get there, and he's the power forward with Wendell Carter Jr. healthy, so the rebounds are going to decrease. Defensive stats are not really going to float him. That's not his thing. And shots available just aren't really going to show up out of the blue with Kobe White getting a bunch of looks, Wendell Carter Jr. hopefully doing a bit more in the offense, uh, and Otto Porter Jr. coming back, in addition to the fact they already had Zach Levine taking a ton of shots. So I, I, I'm a little worried about marketing getting squeezed out. I think I'm going to put him on my guys that I'm, I'm probably going to avoid. Elsewhere in this round, uh, this is earlier than Horford is usually going This uh, at 73. I think we've seen him go more towards the 80s. I love him in the 80s. I've said it before. I do think he rests a bunch of games this year because that, that Thunder team really has nothing to prove. 
and they'd like to get a top three pick this coming year. They'd like to get as many of those as possible. Uh, so a little bit early on Horford, but again, you know, if you're on the turn or front or back end of the turn, you got to sort of go get your guy. Uh, Brandon Clark, we still haven't seen him play. That makes me a bit worried. Colin Sexton's going to be relatively good this year. You could probably let him drop another round just to see because you're not, I don't know that his upside is all that great. Mikel Bridges, he'll be fine. Good Roto guy. And then Wendell Carter Jr. in the middle of the round is fine. A little bit early for him as well. You're, you're starting to see guys sort of go and get their dudes, which, it, it, you know, it does tend to happen around that 70, 70 to 75 mark. Even 65 at times. Round 8 of this draft. Otto Porter Jr., Julius Randle, Josh Richardson, Ricky Rubio, Devontae Graham, OG Ananobi, Kemba Walker, Markel Fultz, Sergi Baca, DeMarcus Cousins, Mike Conley, and Blake Griffin. You heard about Markel Fultz earlier in this one. Uh, Matt Smith, big fan of him. He actually went to Team Josh Lloyd in this particular mock draft. That would be at uh, pick 91, I believe. Um, yeah, I guess that about makes sense. I'm, I'm not sure. I, Markel seems to bounce around a little bit in drafts. He's, he's kind of a later opportunity to get some steals and some assists. I will admit, though, I'm a little worried about the other parts of his fantasy game taking that step forward. I, you know, he's going to score a little bit more because he's going to play a little more this year. Uh, his steal his steal rate is good, so that's a possibility to sort of uh, buttress his numbers with, you know, 1.4 kind of steals per game, 1.3, 1.4. Uh, he's not going to shoot the three ball. His percentages have a long way to go. So he's going to have to do it in steals, assists, and probably more scoring this year. And it's why I've referred to him as sort of like new Alfred Payton, because he's Alfred Payton, but with a better free throw stroke, which is saying something, because we know Markel Fultz in the free throw line. But they're built fairly similarly from a fantasy standpoint. Fultz has the opportunity to get better. We kind of know what Alfred Payton is right now. But if you miss out on Fultz, maybe that's the way I should phrase it. If you miss out on Fultz in the 90s, go get Alfred Payton at like 120 and uh, plug him in there as, as you know, one click down and try to cover up for the free throw thing. Other interesting names. I mean, this was a really interesting round, actually, to break down. Otto Porter Jr., um, I, you know, he's normally a guy I target. I'm a bit worried about him in Chicago as well. I, uh, Chicago in general, I'm a little bit worried about. I think Wendell Carter Jr. has a better year, maybe rolls it up a little bit with totals. It just doesn't seem like there's enough for everybody to go big fantasy-wise. I think they play well as a team. But fantasy-wise, I'm a little worried about guys getting squeezed. <sighs> Julius Randle. Um, 86. You know, he's fallen far enough this year where you desperately need some points, rebs, and assists. And a guy that's probably going to hurt your percentages. I just... Uh, points leagues. Go get him in a points league. There's your, there's your answer. Josh Richardson. This is a little bit too early for him. I know that there probably is some kind of positive regression coming for him. But his game just isn't as fantasy-friendly as we thought it was going to be. Ricky Rubio, um, yeah, I mean, that's fine in the 80s. He'll be okay. He's going to play a decent amount in Minnesota, but his role is going to be diminished. Devontae Graham, I am I am genuinely concerned about Devontae Graham with Gordon Hayward coming to town, but if he gets better in field goal percent, he's one of those few guys, you know, we've talked about how our, a general rule on this show is that usage is value. And so with Graham, I think you can pretty much guarantee his usage is going to be lower this year with Gordon Hayward in town. In Charlotte, I mean, Graham, he was able to just do whatever he wanted. He took 15 shots a game. He had seven and a half assists last year. He had three and a half three-pointers. He shot 38%. He's an interesting case because if his usage goes down, let's say he takes, you know, 13 to 13 and a half shots instead of 15 and change, normally that would be a pretty big hit to somebody's fantasy value, and I do think he takes a hit. But he also has the opportunity, if he fixes his field goal percent from 38 to 41, which is a pretty good jump, that could actually cover up some of the other stuff. So I'm a, I'm a bit concerned about Devontae Graham. I think I would target him in more specific builds. Like, if, what if he does stink in field goal percent again? You probably build him into a punt strategy there in head-to-head. Not my favorite Roto guy. OG Ananobi going around 90 is a steal. That's a freaking tap-in. So nice work there. Um... Kemba Walker in the 90s in Roto, I, I'm okay with that in head-to-head. -head, I don't know that I can draft him almost anywhere. In Roto, you just sort of take what he gets you because when he's on the floor, he'll be a top 50 guy. He's just probably going to miss 
25 games this year. So be be aware that that's something that's going to happen. Serge Ibaka, he's boring. I don't think I want him. I don't think I want him on my team, frankly. Uh, he's just he's just too boring. Go take a shot. Eric, go take a shot. I'm yelling at you right now, Eric. Go take a shot. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins also. This is early for him, and Adam even said that on the podcast. This is earlier than he's going. You, you don't, I mean, he's worth a flyer, absolutely positively worth a flyer because we know his upside on per minute stuff. And if Houston really does end up trading James Harden, there's going to be usage for everybody. Everybody's going to eat at that point. And Boogie is among them because then it's just, you know, screw around time in Rocket Town. Boogie can go try to reestablish his value. Uh, he makes actually a lot of sense as a keeper type guy, dynasty ish. I know he doesn't have a ton of years left. But if you can get him in like the 13th, 14th, 15th round of a keeper league draft or something, then, you know, maybe somebody will sign him to play 25 to 30 minutes a game next year. Who knows? Maybe Houston, uh, oh, sorry, he's he's there. Maybe Houston just turns him loose the following season if he gets healthy. So that's probably more the strategy here. But again, you know, maybe something does click. Roto makes more sense than head-to-head because he's going to miss a bunch of games. They're going to kid-glove him. Uh, but if you know he's playing... On a night where you know you know he's going to get 25 minutes, he's worth he's worth starting at that point. The DFS guys will tell you they'll keep us appraised of uh, when he's actually going to be on the floor. Uh, Mike Conley, I'm not a big Mike Conley fan this year. I guess in the 90s, you know whatever, but super bo- too boring even for me. Um, in the 90s, that's fine. You know he might he might be as you know around 80 or something on the year. Blake Griffin at 96, I actually like this pick. I've said that before. The the market has finally adjusted on Blake Griffin, and he's cheap enough to draft at that point. There's there's almost there's no risk there. If if it if it falls all over its face, then whatever. Round nine, Derek Rose, Montrez Harrell, Jeremy Grant, Andrew Wiggins, Hassan Whiteside, Jared Allen, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Stephen Adams, Danilo Gallinari, Kobe White, Aaron Gordon, and Davis Bertans. Really like Aaron Gordon at the end of the ninth round. Um you know, 107 or whatever that is, absolutely worth the upside play there. Uh, Jeremy Grant, I like in this range around 100. There's, you know, the chance he ends up pretty boring, but maybe something does click. I like us on Whiteside in this range. We know he can get it done in limited minutes, and if his free throw stroke is still okay this year, he'll beat that mark. Uh, Jared Allen, if they happen to turn the reins over, you might have to sit on that one a little bit. Bogdan Bogdanovich, I'm super down on in Atlanta. Steven Adams makes a lot of sense around 100. He'll beat that mark in New Orleans. Gallo, same kind of thing. I'm down on him, but at this point, why the hell not? Kobe White, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He needs a ton of usage, I would think, to really click, but maybe he does turn a corner there. So I I actually like a lot of the picks in this round. I think you're hitting a point where guys are just, you're taking some swings here. And uh, and then Davis Bertans, who's uh, one of the safer plays in this round. You, you sort of know what you're getting. I'm not super excited about him this year. You know, last year he was a that massive, you know, drafted 140, finishes at 55 kind of thing. He'll finish probably in the 80s this year. And uh, so you get him at 100, that's fine. Um, but, you know, you're, you're taking hacks at this point. Unless you took hacks earlier, which I have advised against. This is where you want to take your hacks. You know, in your third round, get your guy that's going to finish at 30. But in your ninth round, get your guy that's going to finish at 60. Something like that. That's that's where you get your big wins. Uh, Evan Fournier, we'll do the last round. Evan Fournier, Terry Rozier, Darius Baisley, Ivica Zubats, Anthony Edwards, Killian Hayes, Chris Boucher, Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, Marvin Bagley the third, Gordon Dragic, and Jeff Teague. This was kind of fun because this was the 10th round where I think a lot of guys probably wouldn't have gone this extreme if it wasn't the last round of an industry video mock. So this is everybody's chance in this mock draft to say, hey, here's my interesting guy. Well, not everybody, because we talked to Adam Stock, and he was like, look, Evan Fournier, I had to do it. He wasn't interesting, but uh, you know, he's going to pick 110, and he's going to annihilate that. He'll be at least 30 to 40 slots higher than that with his eyes closed. So yeah, I totally get it. Uh, Terry Rozier, kind of the same general story. He won't be as good as Fournier, but he'll be fine. He'll be, you know, top 80 type of guy, and once you get to that 120 range, that's a pretty good win. Darius Baisley's a fun one. He's going to get some usage. He has to because no one else exists in Oklahoma City. If he eats a Zubats, that's a, <laughs> we talked about it before, a little bit of a homer pick from our, our buddy Jovan Bua. Um, he'll be fine. You know, boring. Anthony Edwards, I don't draft rookies. Killian Hayes, I don't draft rookies. 
Uh, Chris Boucher, I like that. Jonas Nader in the last round, he's just showing everybody. Jonas just kind of telegraphing a little bit here. He's like, look, this is a guy that is going to play some center minutes in Toronto when they go small. If he has a chance to play a few power forward minutes, even better. And if he gets to, you know, 22, 23 minutes, he could actually have some fantasy value. His ceiling is limited by the fact that Siakam's going to play some center uh, and Aaron Baines is going to probably play at least, you know, 23-ish, 24 minutes at center. So there isn't a ton left there for Boucher, uh, but he, he's absolutely somebody to take a flyer on just in case. What if, if Baines goes, gets hurt, then, you know, the sky's the limit at that point. Tyler Hero in the 10th round. Yeah, worth a shot. I mean, I don't know. His fantasy game still needs to round into shape a little bit. There's efficiency stuff that needs to get clicked in. But Jimmy Butler's going to miss some time, and, and there's some games in there where Hero's going to go big. So kind of a drop-in sort of guy in Roto. I don't think I would start him every game. Duncan Robinson, that's an easy one. He'll beat this mark, no problem. Marvin Bagley, he should beat this mark. I mean, everybody's pretty soured on him, but he can put up some points, rebounds, steals, and blocks when healthy. We just haven't really seen him healthy. So, hell yeah, take a shot on him here in the 100 and whatever range. See if it pans out. Goran Dragic, I'm low on. Uh, his Roto game isn't very good. And then Jeff Teague is, uh, and Rickling, we talked about this with Alex a um, week and a half ago on the podcast, uh, this is, again, this is kind of a fill-in type of guy in Boston. Anytime any one guy is out, and we know Kemba's out, Teague slots in and probably puts up pretty serviceable fantasy numbers, but you're probably not planning on starting him every game all season long. And that, good friends, that, good friends, is your mock draft results. We're finally done. We've, we've completed it. The industry mock from two weeks ago. It's, it's officially done now. So we can wrap up the podcast by telling you guys to check out our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Sign up with promo code HOOPBALL and hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. DM me. I have a special prize for you. If you've been thinking about signing up, now is the time. And over at manscaped.com, promo code is HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order from our buddies over at manscaped.com. Again, mybookie.ag is the other website. That promo code, just the word, HOOPBALL. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed our lightning round trip through the mock draft results, as well as breaking down most of the teams in the mock draft. We're going to try to sneak a few more in at some point. I may have pushed it a little bit far at this uh, juncture, but if not, we'll talk to the rest of these guys and we'll talk about something else. We don't need to talk about this mock draft. There's a lot of other things going on in the, uh, in the fantasy world. Um, for instance, we just talked to Matt Smith today, who was unable to attend the mock draft. So again, big thank you to Matt. Let's put the uh, let's put the crown back on his head. Help us promo this episode if you could. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.